So here's a question for you. Christmas is all about Jesus, but did Jesus celebrate Christmas? Hmm. Interesting, huh? There's some things you can include Jesus in your celebration. You could get a Jesus ornament with a dog to bring into your celebration. But if you don't like dogs, you can get Jesus with a cat, if that works better. Okay, you can pick. You can pick the dog or the cat. But uh, the answer is no. Jesus did not celebrate Christmas because Christmas starts with Jesus, right? You're like, come on. We had to come to church to learn that. But uh, no, it does not start. Jesus doesn't celebrate Christmas. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Oh, interesting. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. That is in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 22. It tells us, it says, at that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. The Feast of Dedication, that's what Hanukkah means. So Jesus, born, is fully Jewish, lives the full Jewish life, and he celebrates this Jewish holiday called Hanukkah, or the Feast of Dedication. So in Jesus' life, and it's a, it's a winter holiday, it usually overlaps, it's an eight-day holiday that overlaps where we celebrate Christmas, but Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. So he's there in Jerusalem. It says it's winter. And it says, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So at Hanukkah that Jesus was celebrating, they started to ask him, hey, are you the Messiah? Are you the chosen one? Are you the one God promised to send? What an interesting thing we have laid out here for us. Jesus celebrating Hanukkah. In the middle of the celebration, they're asking him, are you the one God's supposed to send? And so we're going to look at that today. And here's what we're going to see. Hanukkah points to Jesus. Christmas brings us Jesus so we can be saved by Jesus. Has anybody ever celebrated Hanukkah? Anybody know anything about it? Okay. All right. Good. Well, we're going to do some things today here. We're going to see how this Hanukkah points to Jesus. So what is Hanukkah? You'll also see it spelled with a C uh, to get that uh, certain Hebrew sound, Hanukkah. And uh, well, what is it? What are we talking about here? It's a Jewish eight-day winter festival celebrated with nightly candle lighting, special prayers, and fried foods. I mean, come on. They've got it down. You'll see why oil is part of the reason it's celebrated. So they cook their food in oil on purpose, but of course it's delicious. So that's just the simple answer. But Hanukkah means means dedication. That's why we read there in John, the Feast of Dedication. It means dedication, and it celebrates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem. So we're going to do a little history lesson here. The Jewish nation, God's people that he's worked with, From the time of Abraham, through Moses, through King David, the Jewish nation was punished by God because they rebelled and they turned to idolatry. And God's way of punishing them was to send another nation in to defeat them. And so starting with Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians started attacking and conquering Jerusalem in 605 B.C. And so they remained under some kind of foreign control through that time. So the Babylonians were then conquered by the Persians. The, the king of Persia named Cyrus allowed the Jews to go back and rebuild the temple and resettle in Jerusalem, but they were not a free nation. 
there was an allowance made, but they weren't reigning. They didn't have their own government. They were just allowed to be there. The Persians gave way to the Greeks. Some of you know the famous Greek king that conquered the world. Anybody know his name? Say it out loud. Alexander the Great conquered the known world. He died when he was 32. And his kingdom was divided into four based on generals. So we go way down to 175 BC. A guy begins to rule the area where Jerusalem is called Antiochus IV. And he gave himself his own nickname called Epiphanes. He calls himself God Manifest. You start to see where this is going. If you have any co-workers that say, please refer to me as God Manifest, not Bill, I would not recommend that. They've got some trouble coming. But uh, the Jews called him another name, which meant the madman. They had kind of a word play on that. So here's what he decides to do. He's not really thrilled with Jewish customs, Jewish life. So he decides to force Hellenization, which is he forces Greek culture, Greek religion, Greek gods on them. He outlawed them observing the Sabbath. He outlawed circumcision, which is a sign for Jewish males that you're part of God's covenant people. He appointed Greek priests to rule, to rule over the temple. At one time, he did a massacre of Jews just on a whim. In the temple courtyard, he had them erect an altar to Zeus, the Greek god Zeus, right in the temple precinct. And then where it really got crazy is he, ins- he forced them to sacrifice a pig on God's altar, which a pig would be an unclean animal. It would be the most, one of the most disrespectful, horrific acts that you could do. So this was how they were treated. And so the temple is defiled. There's foreign gods in there. There's the sacrifice. And then uh, this family, the Maccabee family, leads a, rev- re- leads a revolt. And it takes about 20 years. And they eventually, the Jewish people, win their independence. And so one of the things they do is we need to rededicate this temple to the worship of God alone. And we need to remove anything foreign and pagan and cleanse it. And there were certain rituals and processes to do that. So they're rededicating the temple. And one of the things in the temple is there are lamps that stay lit all the time. But these lamps are oil lamps. I know that picture doesn't show that. But they're oil lamps. And the oil is a special authorized mixture that has to be done a certain way to be used in the temple. And they only had enough oil for one night. But the temple dedication is a whole week process. So they light that oil and they begin the process of cleansing the temple and doing the rituals. And what they found is the miracle was the oil lasted all eight days. It didn't run out. And so the celebration of Hanukkah is rededicating this temple and it's an eight-day celebration to line up with the eight days it took to rededicate the temple and that God miraculously provided oil all eight days even though they only had enough for one night. And so that's why they cooked the food in oil as part of that process. So that's, that's Hanukkah in a nutshell. But what I want us to see, there's some elements of the ways that it's still celebrated to this day. There's some elements of Hanukkah that point us straight to Jesus. It's just amazing. So I'm going to show you these areas. Light, provision, the temple, deliverance, and the servant. Okay, those are, there's more, but those are the five I'm going to do today. We're going to show how light, provision, the temple, deliverance, and the servant all point us in this feast, in this festival, to Jesus Christ. So the first one is light, right? It's focused, the lights of the lamps lasted all eight days. 
Each night, I'll show you this a little later, but each night of the eight days of Hanukkah, another candle is lit until this uh, menorah has all eight candles lit and there's a special ninth candle. So it has light, God providing light. Hanukkah is referred to as the festival of lights because each night you light candles and you put it right in the window facing the street. There's a certain window of the house they put it in. So that immediately, I want to show us some passages that show the significance of light. The opening of John's gospel says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So we have Jesus existing in eternity past. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So in Jesus is life, and it brings light. You jump down to verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So God is the maker of light. Jesus is the one that has life that's the light of men. It says that light was coming into the world in this Christ child. Then you jump down into later in Jesus' life, he was at another feast, and he spoke out to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So light gives us direction. It allows us to see where we're going. Light is pure. There's no darkness in it. And so Jesus has life, and Jesus has light. So when this lamp lasts perpetually for these eight days, it's God's light lighting up that festival. And when they light a candle each night, it's showing God's light of the world. And when Jesus enters the world at Christmas, it says the light comes into the world. And Jesus says, I'm still the light of the world. I'm still shining out and I'm offering you life. So that's the first one, is that Jesus is the light. The second one I want us to see is provision. When they celebrate Hanukkah, they're celebrating the fact that the oil didn't run out. That God miraculously provided for them in a way they couldn't do themselves. They didn't really know what they were going to do. So provision, I want to show us some things. I'm going to go back to that very same spot in John chapter 10 when he's at Hanukkah. He's actually celebrating Hanukkah, right? He's in the wintertime. He's walking in the temple and they say, are you the Christ? Are you the one from God? So let's look at Jesus' answer to that question. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. And this is the miracles that he'd been doing. He says, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So God provides oil that does not run out in the Hanukkah situation. Jesus says, I provide life that doesn't run out. Eternal life is a life that goes on without end. When you are one of Jesus' sheep, you're trusting Jesus. He says, I give you life that runs out or doesn't run out. You never perish. No one can take you away from Jesus. And then Jesus says, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can take you out of the Father's hand. So you have the Father, and the Lord Jesus has you. Life that doesn't run out. There's another thing Jesus says he'll give you that doesn't run out. In John 14, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper 
to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. When you come to Jesus and you put your faith in him, he gives you his Holy Spirit, called the helper or the counselor, and he's with you forever. You don't lose the spirit. He's with you forever. So Hanukkah is talking about provision. Hanukkah points to Jesus' provision of eternal life and the Holy Spirit. They don't run out. They don't run out. Now let's talk about the temple. Hanukkah is all about the temple being rededicated, purified for the, only the worship of, of the true God, Yahweh. Well, what's a temple even for? That's a little bit foreign to us. Right? We have church buildings, but do we go to a temple? What is this about? So when, when God first called Israel and he, was, he had met them at Mount Sinai, he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So the idea of a temple or sanctuary is a place where God said, I will come there and be among you. And there were certain sacrifices and rituals that allowed the people sin to be atoned for so that God could be in their presence. It's the place of mediation. It's the place where God can connect to people and God wants to connect with people. So that's, what's, it's, that's what it's for. He said, make this sanctuary. Initially, it was a special tent we called the tabernacle where God could dwell among his people. Well, I want you to see what they say eventually as time goes on. Uh, a king named Solomon built an actual temple, not a tent, but a, an actual stone temple with gold. And, and at the dedication, the first dedication of that temple by King Solomon, this is what he prayed. He says, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven in the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea O Lord, my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you have said, my name shall be there, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers towards this place. And listen to the plea of your servant and your people Israel when they pray toward this place. And listen in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So he, he recognizes even this building that he's built doesn't actually hold God. He just knows it's God's grace to come there, to meet with people there. And he says, and when we're here praying, would you hear our pleas? Would you hear our cries? And some prayers are prayers are just things that are happening in your life. And some are desperate cries for help. And he's saying, would you have mercy and hear us? So God says, make a place because I want to dwell in your midst. Solomon builds it and says, would you graciously meet us there at this place? Then when, when uh, Jesus is coming to the world, there's this amazing little line here in John 1.14. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word there for dwelt is the word for tabernacle or tent. And so he's, Jesus, when Jesus comes into the world, it is as if the presence of God has come to dwell in a place where God will be there and people can meet with God, not through a building anymore, through a person, the eternal word of God now taking on flesh. We just sang it in the Hark the Herald Angels Sing song, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail incarnate deity. The word of God takes on flesh, dwells among us in his presence. His name is in Jesus. And to make it more explicit, 
There's a day Jesus goes in and he throws out this whole marketplace that's in the temple and all this, you know, dishonest stuff is going on. And, and so he just throws it all out. And the Jews come to him and say, what sign do you show us for doing these things? You just came over and turned this place upside down. <laughs> Where's your authority? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So Hanukkah points us to Jesus as the temple, the place where God's presence dwells, the place we don't go to a building and offer prayers that God might hear. We go to Jesus and offer prayers that God might hear. Jesus is the temple that was destroyed and raised up in three days. Jesus is where we go to meet with God. Jesus has paid the full price to make us clean so that we can connect to God. So the rededication of the temple is really Jesus who dedicated himself to God's will. Hanukkah, the temple theme points us to Jesus. That's where we go to meet with God. Another Hanukkah theme is deliverance. They were under this horrible, oppressive king that was forcing them to dishonor God. And God delivered them through this revolt and removed that king. And he actually died in a very horrific way with some terrible bowel issues that God gave him. It didn't work out. We'll put it that way. So, what, what is, how does Jesus point us to deliverance? In Hebrews 2.14, it says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself likewise partook of the same things, flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus delivers us from the tyrant of death by taking death for us. Jesus delivers us from the fear of death, having conquered it. That's Jesus' deliverance. It says in Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus delivers you from condemnation. If Jesus is your Savior, you'll stand before God, and there'll be no one that says, don't let them in. I've got something against them. They say, no, no. Jesus will say, no, no. I've paid that price. They're mine. They're delivered from the power of sin and death and hell. They're coming in. Jesus is our deliverance. Hanukkah points to Jesus' deliverance from sin and Satan and death and any condemnation that could be raised against you because of Jesus. All right, then there's this one that's called the servant. The servant. So this one, I was a little disappointed in Walmart.com because I ordered the special Hanukkah menorah and something about an ice storm meant they couldn't deliver it to me. But uh, so that's life. I was hoping it might come last night. So I was going to have one of these here, so we're going to do something different. But this is what the Hanukkah uh, menorah looks like. There's nine candles. You got four on each side. So those eight are for the days. And there's one in the middle that's either higher or lower. Depends on the one. 
The candle in the middle is called the shamash, which means the helper, the attendant, or the servant. So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to have a human menorah up here. I need nine volunteers, and you're going to point your hair up like this, and then, no, I'm going to give you a candle hole. Come on up here. If you want to come up here, I need nine of you to be my menorah. We got two. Good looking boys, if I do say so. Okay. You. You. Okay, we're getting there. Seven. Okay, you. You. Okay, we got two more to go. There we go. We got the some pink. Okay, take a step back so that you guys can um, spread across. All right, who's the tallest? Right, Meredith. Meredith, come in the middle. Meredith will forever be known as the Shamash. You can thank me for that. So, here's how it works. The Shamash is lit first. Did we get it? That's, that's lit. So you're imagining Meredith's the middle candle there. And then each night, one candle is lit, and, and they go through the eight days lighting them all. So Meredith, we're going to pretend it's day eight. You go and light all the other ones, but don't let yours go out. And good technique, that's right, come into the side so you don't dump hot wax. We learned that last night. There you go. And go back in the middle, Meredith, and then pronounce those Hebrew blessings I told you about. Okay, I didn't tell her that. I didn't tell her. So this is how it would look. And they keep the middle one, even though it doesn't count for one of the days of the festival, it stays lit. It's called the servant in case it needs to serve any of the other candles by relighting them. So the shamash lights the candles. It remains lit so that it can light all the other candles. It is the servant candle. All right, you guys can uh, go back. You can put those out and go back. Thank you. Good job, Living Menorah. Thank you, guys. You like that smell? You can keep it. Good job, youth group kids. We've got some awesome teenagers here. You just need to know that. And I'm, I'm very serious. We've got some great students here. So, how about that? Hanukkah points to Jesus because he is the shamash, the servant candle that lights all the candles, that stays lit at all times to serve all of us. Let's look at some of these passages. There are passages in the book of Isaiah called the servant songs, and they describe what the servant of God will do the, the chosen one of God, Jesus the Messiah. In Isaiah 49, 5, it says, And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant. This is a time about Jesus coming. To bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. Like, that's not enough. That's not a big enough job. I will make you as a light 
for the nations, that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. So, my salvation may reach the end of the earth. The servant candle brings light and salvation, not just to the Jewish nation, but to all nations. Isaiah 52.13 starts maybe the most well-known servant song. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up. He shall be exalted. Skip down a little bit to Isaiah 53. It says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the servant, right? He suffered for us. He's able to give us light and life because he suffered death for us. And in Jesus' own words, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Hanukkah points us to Jesus. He is the servant Savior. He is the one that lights all the candles. Hanukkah points to Jesus. Christmas brings us Jesus so that we can be saved by Jesus. It all points to him. If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you're just celebrating like crazy this time of year. We have feasts and festivals and presents and so on, but it's Jesus is the gift. If you're not sure about this, this is God's plan. Everything he was doing in time past through events and rescues like the Hanukkah season, everything he's doing at Christmas points to the salvation that is only found in Jesus. Look to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the servant You are the light. You are the provision. You are the temple. You are the deliverer. You are the one we worship, the one we need, the one we must have. Thank you that we can worship and celebrate you this Christmas season. Thank you that you are the ongoing servant that gives us eternal life. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.